Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery. Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Hello, guys. J-Rod Concerts podcast family. How are you today? This is Jamie Rodriguez, your host of the J-Rod Concerts podcast. In the last episode of season one, ladies and gentlemen, can you believe it? We started this journey this year and we are finalizing our first season. And I want to thank each and every one of you guys. We are um, a little above 27,000 subscribers across all our platforms. And uh, I just want to thank each one of you for being part of it. Whether you're listening in your car, at the gym, on iTunes, on Spotify, on SoundCloud or wherever. uh, It really means so much, guys, that uh, you guys take the time in... uh, in, in the U.S. and across the world to listen to our show and it, it really it, it's really humbling actually that um, this project has taken off like this guys and and I can't wait to uh, continue the journey in season two and bring you some more amazing guests but now that we got the romancing out of the way guys let's talk about today's guest and we are finishing with a bang ladies and gentlemen Emma Swift amazing Emma Swift guys just released one of the best albums of the year like literally it just it's called blonde on the tracks it's unbelievable guys it's a collection of interpretation of bob dylan songs uh but in a way that you've never never heard them before but let me tell you about emma 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 swift is an australian singer songwriter uh before she was a musician she was a radio broadcaster uh hosting americana show in the pine in uh, on radio in australia um, also, she was in Australian Broadcasting Company in Sydney. In 2013, she relocated to Nashville, and uh, and this is where really she, her singing career kind of took off in earnest like a rocket ship, guys. But what can I tell you about this album, Blonde on the Tracks? Came out August 14th, was an instant success, critical darling. Um, you know, it was hailed for the timeless spin that she gave on this on these songs. And actually, she even has uh, one of Bob Dylan's newest songs in here, I Contain Multitudes. And oh boy, are you in for a doozy with this one. Sweet Mother of God. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful album, guys. We, we were really excited to have Emma and talk to her about this uh, precious record that she made. So um, we encourage everyone to listen to it. Emma Swift, Blonde on the Tracks, guys. And uh, you can listen to it wherever you listen to your songs. Um, and you can purchase her records on uh, Bandcamp and she's got some really cool limited edition vinyl and just some really great stuff. So if you want to check it out there, do it. But without further ado, guys, Emma Swift on the last episode of season one of the J-Rod Concerts podcast. But anyway, Emma, uh, yeah, I have to, you know, before I, we get started, I have to congratulate you, Emma. Uh, it's such a treat to have you because, okay, Blonde on Tracks. Oh, my God, Emma. What an album that you have unleashed on the world. Like, oh. sweet mother of God. What a jewel. What a jewel. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so glad you like it. Absolutely. Everything about it, like the way you reimagine Bob Dylan songs. I mean, it's, it's not easy to do. 
and you did it and you pulled it you pulled it like better than than anyone could have expected the reviews have been great fans have everyone's loved it unsurprisingly so congratulations Amok. thanks cool cool so you know before we get started on your music and your life if you will um let's get some pandemic themed questions out of the way if you will sure. you know it's been obviously a wild strange year Emma. um and with you being in east nashville it started in early march with the tornadoes right yeah, it's been a crazy year here. I mean, I live in East Nashville, right in the in the heart of Nashville, about 10 minutes from downtown. Yeah. And a tornado just swept through our neighbourhood in that first week of March, totally decimating houses, you know, just two streets from where my house is. Wow. So I'm incredibly lucky that my house is still standing and, and that we weren't injured and and, and everything has been okay. Um, and then to have the tornado followed so quickly <laughs> yeah. by a pandemic scenario, <laughs> which is just, I mean, it's kind of, it's surreal, isn't it? It is surreal. It is surreal. And, and, uh, but wait, like you're from Australia, tornadoes, right? Like, let's go there for a second. Like, you know, that's not a problem that you guys necessarily have in Sydney or Melbourne or something, right? Oh, no. I mean, I think wherever you are in the world, there's all kinds of natural disaster things that can affect you and your community. Yeah. In Sydney, it's more likely to be a wildfire or a flood. Um, sure. But right here in middle Tennessee, uh, it's definitely not so much fires, but definitely tornadoes. Definitely, Emma. But okay, you were like, it was like 2 a.m., right? Local time, 1, 1 a.m., something like that? Uh, yes, I believe so. So you were probably asleep or recording. What were you doing? I was actually on tour. I was in San Francisco. Oh, so okay. So I got a message from a friend of mine, my friend Gina, who looks after our cats, saying, <laughs> I just need you to know that the tornado sirens are going off and we're in the walk-in wardrobe. <laughs> oh, wow. So um, it was quite quite worrying but but i was so far away uh, right so I was just worrying from a distance yeah absolutely Emma. and speaking of the pandemic that you touched on how are your friends and family back in down under how are they doing uh, they're pretty good i mean uh, the pandemic is obviously a global crisis that's yeah. going on but my family are, are fine and australia hasn't been hit as hard as places like italy or spain or you know, sure yeah, I mean, Australians are pretty disciplined, absolutely. So, I mean, you and Robin Hitchcock, you know, you've done these pandemic shows throughout mm -hmm. this pandemic, these live shows. You guys have done a lot of them, actually. Um, I think Wednesdays and Thursdays you do them. Um, you know, you do a suggested donation. You've done like 40 plus shows. So I have to ask you, like, how have these performances helped you, like artistically and to connect with your fans? That's a new thing. It's taught me a lot about online connection with fans, especially at a time where there's no outdoor shows and, and live touring. I wouldn't have said, if someone had said, oh, you can only play your shows online to me last year, I would have gone, oh, no, that's not for me. Yeah. Actually, what I've discovered is that I really enjoy it. <laughs> I, I love seeing the comments in the chat room and that level of interaction. It's a very, yeah. very different experience to... If I'm on stage in a club, um, the audience can't really say, hey, I love this song, or would you play this right. next? Or you got to bring like a sign or something, right? Right. <laughs> and I'm not really at that level. Um, but so it's, it's just great to, to interact with people that way. And it's such a, um, it gives me something to look forward to. It's very hard to structure 
days around the pandemic and, and have yeah. a sense of what is Monday, what is Friday, what is what even is the weekend? Right. Um, but right. but by having a show on Wednesday and the other shows on Friday, it gives me something to kind of anchor my week around and uh-huh. get excited about. Ah, that's great. Yeah, they've been super great. I, you know, I, I checked out one the other day. Uh, so Emma, tell us a little bit about your early life in Sydney, if you will. Like you, you I mean, you're obviously so talented, but do you come from a musical family uh, or, or where does that DNA come from? Um, I don't know where the music <laughs> comes from. I come from a family that love to read books, but we're okay. not musicians at all. I'm the only singer in my family. And yeah. So uh-huh. there's a few of us, but I'm the only one who really took it up. And I don't really know why that is. It's just something that I was always very drawn to from being yeah. a kid. I've just always loved listening to the radio and music. Yeah. And I mean, when you were eight years old, you were singing, right? Yeah. Really small. Like Really small. Yeah. Wow. And I just, I, <clears throat> I just really loved it. And, and you know, I, I grew up, I was eight in like the late 80s. And it was a great time to be getting into music, particularly the pop, female pop artists of that time, people like Madonna and Cyndi Lauper and Kate Pearson from the B-52s. Right. Iconic, ballsy women, you know? Yeah. Yes. um, I really really got a lot out of that. And and I just kind of thought, oh, yeah, that's that's what I want to do. That's great. That's great. But like, when did you first realize like, oh my God, I actually have a really good voice. I can sing. I have pipes. Um, do, you, do you have a memory? <laughs> I, well, I guess when I was pretty small, people would start coming up to me going, oh, you can actually really sing. Yeah. For like WTF, this is weird. Why can, why can our child sing? And so my dad would be in the supermarket or, or whatever. And someone would be like, oh, we've, we saw Emma singing at the local Stedford, which are these singing competitions that they have in Australia. And, and I think we were all kind of taken aback, but I don't, it's not something I've ever been conscious of not knowing about. Interesting. Yeah. It's you. Yeah. It's you. Very, very natural. Sure. Oh my God, that's great, Emma. Okay, I'm sure you're sick and tired of telling this story. Um, you probably tell this to every Southerner you meet in Nashville, but your, your love affair with country music. You've talked a little bit about how a friend of the family gave you a, a record player and you started discovering Linda Ronstadt and a bunch of good stuff. How was that evolution? Like, you know, an Aussie girl gets these records and it starts getting into your soul. How was that? Um, well, I guess I always had a romantic draw to... Los Angeles in the 70s, particular. Yeah, so, yeah. Eagles, all that good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. People making records like Linda Ronstadt and Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Um, I'm very into that sound. And I know. And then once I had listened to all those records and, and kind of given myself an education on the Lowell Canyon world. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm super into that right now, actually, because I'm, I'm, we're talking to Judy Collins soon and I'm oh, doing like this research. And she, yeah. And she's like all over that DNA, like so much. It's like, wow. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Oh, no, no, she's phenomenal. <laughs> so once I, once I had explored that, um, that field as much as I could, 
I started going kind of further towards country and I got into Dolly Parton and mm. Lynette and Patsy Cline and exploring those more country sounds. Um, I, I mean, the evolution of country is so strange and, and I don't even know what the word means anymore, but there's a certain era where the music that was made is particularly resonant for me. I mean, yeah. Blonde on Blonde, and, right? And Nashville Skyline, and and record songs with Johnny Cash. Oh. Uh, I, I have a lot of love for for that time. Oh my God! Just telling these stories, I can see your eyes sparkle. It's great. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can't hide it. I, I, that's what I can't. I can't hide the fact that in many ways I'm a bit of a historian, and certainly an historian. It's fascinating, right? That's the thing about country music. It's so human. It's like if you're human you will get country one way or another. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Emma, yeah, well, well today, um, earlier you, you filled on as DJ on the Gimme Country radio station, which is a really nice internet country uh, music station. But before this, of course, I mean, you were a natural, but that's because you've had a great DJ career uh, before, yeah. right? Um, before you, sing, you were in Triple J radio in Australia. You volunteered extensively at uh, FBI 94.5 in Sydney. Um, so yeah, I mean, w tell us a little bit about radio. What, what, what do you miss about it? What do you miss about radio? You're such a natural. Oh, thank you. Um, I, I love the community connection of radio. And yeah. it's actually gotten better in a way because when I was on air, particularly FBI, uh, when I was first learning how to DJ, yeah. it was before really Twitter had really taken off. So yeah. most of the radio internet, in, in, most of the radio connection rather, I should say, was on a text line. So I'd be like, okay, and if you want to get in touch, remember the number. And, and so I'm really interested in the way that music um, brings out the best in people and brings out our humanity and yeah. enthusiasms and mm. our, our passion as well as our sorrow. So I guess being a radio broadcaster, you get to have that sense of connection with people, which I think is really special. I mean, I'm sure you would know it being a podcast host. It's, it's a lovely thing to connect with people over. over it is, it is. And I, I, I did have a little, a few years in Miami radio, in top 40 radio uh, back oh, that's fabulous. in 2004, which is like an eternity now. But um, I, I totally, I totally relate to what you're saying a hundred percent. You know, it's like learning to convey stories with your voice, like the whole thing. You learn a lot. Yeah. 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 And, and just getting to share what you're passionate about with other people is really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Emma. So let's talk a little bit about America, like, and your relationship with it. What was your, your impression when you first came in 2011 in that infamous vacation that you went to San Francisco, you went to Nashville, you know, you, what was your impression of Nashville, right? Because you're this first time. Incredible amount of research. I'm very impressed. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> so my first impressions of America were, oh my gosh, I just had the most romantic stars in my eyes. Completely. Really? Oh yeah. My best friend uh, Zoe and I rented a silver convertible from LAX. Oh my God. Drove it to the Grand Canyon. Oh my God. Style. <laughs> and it was just an extraordinary, wonderful trip. And we met so many great people. We bought the greatest hits of Toto at a truck stop. And <laughs> it was just so fun kind of driving. Oh. 
Vegas, our, our arms in the air listening to Toto. Kind of I can of, just imagine. We're just being insufferable millennials, really. And um, <laughs> Listen, I mean, Toto and like that highway, Africa, the, the beginning, I can only imagine. Like, I, I, would, I would have fallen in love too. Like, are you kidding? Yeah. Well, it very much felt like a movie. And yeah. I got to- if you close your eyes a little bit, you can imagine Emma Swift, ladies and gentlemen, just like singing, you know, uh, you know, I poured the rain down in Africa with dessert on the both sides, you know, and the friend doing the other chorus. You can see it. You can see it. <laughs> yes, the ridiculous and the sublime, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was really fun. And then, yeah, I came to Nashville and um, I was really... Um, Were you nervous coming to Nashville? Oh, I was more excited than anything else. Yeah. That, that tends to be my default setting. I, yeah. I get really over-adrenalized and excited. And only later does the fear set in. <laughs> right, right. Once you're, once you're in the stage of the Grand Old Opry. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've only seen shows at the Grand Old Opry. But certainly going, particularly going to places like the Ryman Auditorium. Right. Um, going to the Country Music Hall of Fame and seeing Grand Parsons' Moody Suit. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Guy Clark play at a small club. Uh, just really special Experience. Oh my God! So yeah, we're so happy to have you here in our country, Emma. You, you're, you're America. Yeah, I love, we, we love it. Anyway, okay. And now your experience moving in, right? Because one thing is, you know, coming on vacation and buying Toto and all that good stuff, which is great. Um, but moving in, you know, it's like the real thing. You know, you got to get a, a moving truck, leasing agreement, this and that. How was that experience for you? Like those first months, two months moving in. Um, well, the first, uh, the first wave of me moving here was reasonably easy because I sublet someone else's house and that was kind of fun and then I guess I just went about doing all the practical things later I mean I literally moved over from Australia with no furniture yeah two suitcases with me and one of them was full of vinyl records yes of course (laughs) I'm a nerd so I I, and I'm a big Christian so I basically just hit up every goodwill furnishing my life going oh I better get a table and chairs and a desk yeah oh that's great yeah it's and and America's been very good to me very very kind very warm very open um I love the touring aspect of America and I really miss that. I really love, yeah. you know, the last tour that I was on, we started up in Seattle and then we drove down to Portland and then we got down to San Francisco and mm-hmm. just driving down the one. Yeah, sure. Beautiful road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this country has beautiful things. Absolutely. Have you been to Florida, Emma? Or not yet? Yeah, absolutely. I've sung at the A1 Music Festival in Florida. Oh, perfect. Oh, that we missed you. Oh, God. Okay. Won't happen again. Promise. Next time. I do like going to Florida because being an Aussie, I love the beach. There you go. Of course, Bondi Beach, right? Yeah, Bondi Beach. um, and, And there's, I mean, there's just so many great. I know. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, we love, we love Australia here. Um, when, when, um, like two years ago, Target started selling Tim Tams and that was like the best day of my life. It was like, I couldn't <laughs> believe for the first time that I could get Tim Tams across the street. Right. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I must've gained like 15 pounds in a week, but I, I was so happy. They're delicious, but you don't want to have too many. But that's the problem. You can't, it's like, you can't have just one, right? 
very Moorish. And then you learn the tricks, how to dip them, and then it's game over. But anyway. <laughs> Okay, Emma. And okay, let's talk about your self-titled EP. Uh, really good. It came out in 2013. Um, it was crowdfunded, uh, produced by Anne McHugh, and it was nominated for a 2014 uh, ARIA Award for Best Country Album in Australia as well. Yeah. Uh, really good. Bittersweet. Pretty cool song. Heard it. Let me ask you this. How do you look back on this EP, which, you know, seven years looking back, how do you look back on it? Oh, very fondly. It was the thing that got me started. It was my first yeah time in a proper recording environment with cool Nashville musicians and I had a great time I mean I think I was still just learning how to be a songwriter really and so the songs that I put on that album feel like baby songs compared to the songs that I've written for the next oh yeah oh we can't wait for the next one by the way yeah but do you find yourself now in like 2020 whatever you're riding a bike you're buying groceries and you think about your EP your original one and you're like man I should have put that song that that word or I should have changed that arrangement. Does that happen at all or no? Oh, I try not to overthink things. I mean, right. I often to think of a recording as capturing a moment in time. Nice. If, if I got too obsessed with how things need to be edited, I would <laughs> never put anything out. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I think it was, uh, was it Dylan or Bono who said an album is never really finished, it's just released kind of thing? Oh, so. I'm not sure, but either way, Bono yeah. or Dylan, whoever said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, let's talk about your new your new album. Oh my God, it really is such a spectacular thing, Emma. Like I've been like in nonstop. I've re I've recommended it to like 20 people already. Gifted it to a couple. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really good. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, you've talked a lot about it because because um, everyone loves it. The Guardian gave it four stars. It's everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. Um, the project started in 2016, though. Let's go back to the beginning of that. Uh, uh, well, it started in 2017. 2017. 2017. Okay. Um, I was quite depressed. And yeah. I wasn't writing any of my own songs. And it's really hard to be in Nashville if you're not writing your own songs because that's, it's a songwriter's town. It's what everybody does. Right. And I felt quite lost. And my friend Patrick Sansone, who produced this record, um, and he's a member of Wilco, mm -hmm. asked, he, he was in town, um, he, was, he wasn't on tour, and so there seemed to be an opportunity for us to be able to record together. Yeah. And so I just booked a studio and decided to do it. It felt, felt like the right thing to do. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I did, because even though it took a little while to come out into the, the world, it's taken three years for me to kind of, Right. Fully execute this release. The reception has been rather extraordinary. Uh, I'm just so glad that people like what we've done. It's it's very nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm glad you pushed through that uh, depression, that little low period you had. Uh, when's the first time you heard Dylan, Emma? How do you fell in love with Dylan? Was was it in Sydney? I mean, I think Dylan. If you're my age, he's just sort of always been in the universe. Um, yeah. I was born in 1981, December 1981. So the first Dylan record that came out for me was um, uh, Infidels. Infidels, so, yeah. Uh, Joker Man and Sweetheart Like You, songs like that. Uh, and then the Wilburys. I, 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 there's not a time I can think of in my life where I wasn't aware that Dylan existed. Yeah. How good are the Wilburys, by the way? I can't. Yeah. <laughs> there are no words, right? <laughs> there are no words, exactly. Absolutely, Emma. Um, Murder Most Foul. I want to ask you about that song because, I mean, it's not in the album, obviously. 
But um, did you have any temptation to put it in there? What are your thoughts on that song? Oh, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it's a piece of art, yeah. But I'd already put Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands on my record. So I right. have a good 12-minute song there. And yeah. that file is epic at 17 minutes. 17 minutes, right? <laughs> so I didn't want to do that. And then released I Contain Multitudes. And that seemed to be more of a uh, an appropriate fit. Yeah. Oh, it came out beautiful, by the way. I think that's the second one, right? In the, I contain multitudes. The second one. Yeah, yeah. When you, when you first heard it, I think Dylan put it out in May or April, something like that. April, and I put it out in May. It's amazing. You were like the first, but like, did you when you heard it? Were you immediately like, oh my god, this puppy, it's going on the record? Was it immediate or like how did how did that process work? Oh, I was very enchanted by the song straight away. To yeah. Me, a love song. Love at first sight. It's got a, a certain magic to it. I was kind of possessed by it. Um, really, the song just completely, um, completely overtook me. I had to do it. I, there, there, yes. wouldn't, there would be no Blonde on the Tracks without I Contain Multitude. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you have to make any cuts? No, I didn't make any cuts on the record. Ah, there you go. Okay, cool. <laughs> there you go. I Bob Dylan songs to choose from, but um, yeah. I didn't make any cuts. All right, Emma. Thank you. Well, you, look, you've been so generous with your time. I want to ask you a couple more questions and then I'll let you, because um, it's been a busy day for you. One more about Dylan. Um, what was your criteria for picking the songs that you picked? Because like you said, he has so many. Was there like a theme? Was um, it just uh, your favorites? What was it? Oh, no. The theme was just to, for, to find songs that resonated with me emotionally at the time. Okay. So I just really loved um, all of these songs. I just went to my record collection and picked I love it. It was all very much based on intuition. Um, I'm a very intuitive person. I just, yeah. I, don't, I try not to get too caught up in ideas about um, how things might need to be. Or I don't want to. You can't over intellectualize art when you're in the process of it. Otherwise, you just get in your own way. Um, you know, and that's fun. It's interesting you mentioned that because your record it comes across as authentic. I, I, would, I think that's one of the words that I would use to describe it. It's very pure and real. And you saying this, that's not the case with every record, even if they're good, you know, they don't have that sense of authenticity. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't even really know what authenticity means, but I, I can tell you that everything that I chose to put on this record was absolutely born out of a deep love for the song. Amazing. And a deep reverence for the songwriting of Bob Dylan. I mean, I just think he's wonderful, obviously. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Emma. All right, I want to I wanna leave you with a question that you've been passionate about, and it's very interesting, and it's about, you've been spoken about the, um, the payments for streaming and, and that whole issue. And, um, you know, there's this one statistic. What's that? <laughs> I said I've been very mouthy, yes. No, but it's true. Look, I, I mean, there's this one statistic. I had to open it up because I love telling, I'm, I'm the same with you. For every 1 million streams, the label gets 3500 or $5,000, depending where the streams come from. Paid services get a little bit more, but most artists have 10% royalty, so they get 350 to $500 for every 1 million streams. Mm -hmm. These are just the facts. Um, tell me a little bit about this, you know, this... Um, you say you've been mouthy, but it's an important issue. Where do you stand today on this? Oh, well, I just think that under the current living conditions where touring does not exist, yeah. current pay rates from streaming services are unacceptable. 
And the people that own these streaming services, like people like Daniel Eck from Spotify and Jeff Bezos, they're doing it. They're money in the, in the kitty. They're just not distributing it amongst the workers. And I don't think that that's fair. And I right. And it's not really the fault of the people who subscribe to streaming services because actually they're a great concept. We just need to have to work out how those services can pay the people who, the artists whose work is on there a little yeah. bit. Yeah, sure, sure. Emma, thank you so much. Thank you this so much. This has been such an enjoyable chat. I want to just remind everybody, Blonde on the Tracks, guys, it's one of the best EPs of the year. It was released uh, like almost two weeks ago, August 14th, Tiny Ghost Records, but make sure you get it, you know, on Bandcamp Digital, you can get it on vinyl, beautiful orange, like the whole thing. You need that on your collection. Emma, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're amazing. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks. You're awesome. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I had to look down for a minute because I've got a meeting in Australia I've got to get to. But you Oh, no, no. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Yeah, yeah. You and, um, I, hope, I hope to catch you on the road soon, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. I hope so too. Have an awesome day, okay? I am. Uh, let me know if you need anything like photos or anything like that for, for the podcast and let me know. Okay. Okay. I'll email you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.